All right, well, um, if you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles to Genesis 1, I know Richard read that at the beginning as uh, we started out, but we'll, we will read that. Really thankful for everyone that is here. The only people we're missing are Josh and Kirby, I guess, as far as the normal people that we have. Um, there are probably others that we're used to seeing in and out um, that aren't with us, maybe haven't been with us for a while, but... Um, Kirby got Josh sick is the story that I've been that I think uh, I'm gonna tell so um, anyway I hate that they're not here but uh, obviously also glad that they're not here and getting us all sick so it's kind of this the time of year people are traveling or they're sick so I mean it's kind of things that we're used to so um, but anyway so this this morning what I want to talk about is I want to ask the question um, whose image are you in and I guess a follow-up to that, because I think most people would want to say, I'm in the image of God, because that's how he created me. But I guess the follow-up question is, are you sure? And how do you know? Um, and maybe even what we're going to get into is a little deeper is, what does that even mean to be in the image of God? Uh, so the first thing that I want to point out is that we are to be in God's image. So let's go to Genesis 1. I know we, like I said, I know we already read that. Genesis 1, verse 26 is God, um, and not just God the Father, but God in totality and all that He is, is creating all that was around, all that is around us now, and and everything that even we don't see that is just there. Um, we see in verse twenty six, God said, "Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth." So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. One of the things that um, I think is important to point out is that this is unique in the creation story. Um, God created a lot of things just by his word. And he created man by his word. But man is the only being, the only creation that he said was going to be in his image. And it happened just like he said it, just like he intended it to happen. It happened that way. Um, and God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Again, go back to what he said in verse 26. Exactly what God intended for man to do is what he then instructs man to do. And although we can see in very quickly uh, as you know, we go over like one and a half more chapters, man does not do what God says. When it comes to these kinds of things, I really believe that the intended purpose that God had in man was accomplished, really. Um, and then he goes on to say, And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And every beast of the earth, and every bird of the heavens, and everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has, bre has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. As I started thinking about this idea of uh, God creating man in his image, and us trying to be in God's image, and really truly fulfill God's intention and his purpose in us, I thought of a song that um, maybe everyone in here has heard or is familiar with. So I didn't see the new Jungle Book movie. 
Um, I saw it on Netflix, though, so I might check that out one night when I have enough time. But I, I saw the cartoon Jungle Book movie, and there's a part in there where uh, King Louie, um, you know, the, I don't know, the, the ape or whatever, kind of, you know, orangutan, okay, whatever, whatever he is, um, and he's running the show with all the other orangutans and, and all the other whatever, um, and he, he has a song, like, I, I want to be like you, right? Like, I want to be a man, you know? I want to be a man, man cub. I want to walk like you. I want to talk like you. And then it's like, ooh, 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 you know, that part. <laughs> and I think that's a, a silly song, a silly movie, a silly point probably to bring out of that. But it's true. There's something special about man. I mean, and I don't just mean men. Uh, I, I've also, I, I used to think, I didn't actively think this, but I think that I'm pretty sure in, in my mind, I'd heard people impressed that like God made man in his image and then he made woman in man's image. Because, I mean, he took the rib out of man, right? But what does he say there in verse 27? Male and female, he created them. Mankind, humankind, is what, is what we're talking about here. This isn't just he made a man in his image, right? And I think that to, to just a side note, to go along that path and that thinking that, like, really inherently and innately in man is more of godlike features or godlike characteristics is probably just wrong to think that way. We need to look at humankind and see that just in totality, we are made in God's image. Um, the things that we find natural don't always seem that way, but really if you kind of boil it down, a lot of those natural tendencies, a lot of things that seem just like to be within us, those are godly. Um, but we'll get into that in just a little bit. So the, the word here for image um, that we see in verse 26 and 27, and, and it's in other passages in the uh, Old Testament, is kind of a difficult word really to pin down what he means all the time or what is being meant. Um, it does. It's very clear that it, it's, it's meant to be a representation of the original, right? That's, that's what an image is. It's not the original but it's a representation of the original. And then you go on down, and he says, in our likeness. That word's interesting because oftentimes in, uh, in the Old Testament, that word is brought back up when it comes to like saying that uh, so-and-so begot his son or whatever, begot so-and-so, and that person was like their parent, right? So they're in that likeness. That's kind of the kind of word that's used uh, here in Genesis 1. But we're not going to stay in Genesis. We're actually going to go to the New Testament. So to do that, I think we need to keep in mind like the word that's used here and the word that's also used as an equivalent in the New Testament. And that word, I can't say for sure. I think it's icon, is in the Greek. And that word would be likeness, semblance, or resemblance. And I think I like this definition of the word best, and it's picture. Um, and we'll get into some of that as well. Um, one example of that that you don't have to turn to is in Matthew 22. And this is also told in Mark and in Luke. And that's when the people ask Jesus, should we pay taxes? Like, I mean, that's basically their question, right? Should we, should we have to even do this? And Jesus' point is, he says, who has a coin? So he gets that coin and he says, whose image, whose likeness is on that coin? So render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, because that's whose likeness was on it. That wasn't Caesar on that coin. That was a representation of Caesar. It was something that looked like him, right? 
it was it, it was intended to say this is mine. I mean, not not to say I could say that, but Caesar could say that's mine because my face is on it, right? Um, if you have a driver's license, that's not you. But people use that to identify you. People use that to say, yes, this is you. And then therefore, they know what is yours and all the things that come along with that. And I think we understand that idea. So what I want to do is I want to go to the New Testament. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. And as we're turning there, I do want to just ask you to be thinking, how can we be in God's image? Or maybe just change that and say, how can I be in God's image? So I'll give you a few things just to consider, and maybe you can come up with other things. We could be like him in the fact that we have a soul and a conscience that is a little different, or maybe very different than any other creation. Maybe we can be in his image in our abilities. Maybe, I mean, don't think about this as being exactly true, but we could think that, well, we're like him in that we look like him. You could think that as well. But let's go back to the idea of being in the likeness of him. We have been begot to somebody, right? We have been, um, we are somebody's child. So in a very real sense, we have earthly parents and we are in their image. But we also need to consider the fact that he is our heavenly father. And so we are shaped and molded like him. And that means, that's a very deep idea. That doesn't just mean we look like him on the surface. That means our inner being is so much like him. Another thing that could kind of go along with this as far as just how can we be in God's image is that we are a representative of him. Not just we uh, a representation in that we look like him, but we are representatives of him. Back, and maybe it's still kind of the case, the case today, but I, I know that in when I see movies like in the Roman times or anything like that, if a delegate is sent on behalf of you know the king, or, or not just Roman times, but any old old uh, time like that, if so, if a delegate is sent, that person is to be revered. That person is to be respected and treated just as if the leader was in the presence himself or herself, right? Because you don't mess with that person because you need to think, okay, this person is that person they're representing. Because if you do harm to them, mistreat them, disrespect them, that person is then going to declare war on you basically, right? And there are several movies that I think of that are like that. That's what we need to think of ourselves. Like we need to think of ourselves as being, I am a representative of God here on earth. So let's get into Romans 8. Romans 8, and let's go down to verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. If we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. In those few verses, there's a lot in there that I don't get. I don't understand. But I think I really understand the next two verses. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So what we see here is that not only are we to be in God's image, 
in the big picture and, and kind of represent him. And we are to try to have our character just like him and, and just look like him in that way. But God is even saying here that we are in the image of Christ. Those whom he called, those whom have answered that call, are those people whom have been sanctified and justified and even glorified. Those people are following after, and Hebrews describes Jesus as our forerunner, right? And I think that's the same idea here, is he's the firstborn over many brothers, and obviously sisters as well. And that's what we are. As Christians, we are to be like Christ. Not just in some nice, cool thing to think about, like I'm trying to be Christ-like, but we are to be in his image. What he looks like is what I'm supposed to look like. What he does is what I'm supposed to do. What he said is what I'm supposed to say. If he, you know, the whole bracelets, I mean, that I don't, I've never seen and I haven't seen in like years, but I mean, if I do see him, I think, well, that's really like retro, you know, like that's, that's old school, you know, the WWJD kind of stuff. And I remember people saying that they had a problem with that because it's not what would Jesus do, it's what he did. And I'm thinking, but I need to know what he would do now for me to apply that for me. And I think that that whole idea is fine, but really I don't need a bracelet to think like I need to be in the image of Christ. I just need a verse like this. So if he, if this is God's plan, if this is God, what God wants from me, I think it's fair for me to ask, whose image am I striving to be in? And I want you to really think about that for just a second. So we'll have like a moment of silence almost, just to think like, analyze this. Whose image are you striving to be in? I'll toss out a few options. You could be striving to be in your parents' image. And, and I, that might be healthy at times. But that also might be wrong at times. Um, some of us, and, and we all come from very different backgrounds, but some of us come from a background where we respect and admire our father, or our mother, or our grandfather, or grandmother, or uncle, or aunt. And we do that not just because of the good things they did for us, but we do that because we've seen other people respect them and revere them. And so we think, I want to be like that. But that could be a problem. Because as much as I might love that individual, that doesn't, they're not Christ, okay? So I don't need to try to be in their image. Now, I will say that we do see Paul bring out that you need to be like me because I'm being like Christ, right? That's, that's, a, that's a very obvious thing to say that if a person is being like Christ, it is fine and healthy and good to look at that person and in every way that they are like Christ, put that on as, you know, and say, I want to be like that too. But don't just think I want to be just like that person because there's ways they're not like Christ. Just like there's ways that you aren't like Christ. And to be like them is just to carry on the tradition and the lineage of people that are almost like Christ. We're kind of in his image. And think about it like this. You played the game where you get a string, like a line of people. One person says something to the next person or whatever. And then I can't remember exactly how the game goes. We played one at someone's apartment not that long ago where you had to like act it out. And it was terrible. The game failed um, horribly. But like you act it out. So that person is supposed to like interpret what you're doing and what, and what the phrase is. And then it goes on down the line, like five or six people. And then the end person's like, 
I have no idea what that is. I don't know what that looks like. It doesn't make sense. Words aren't coming to mind what that could be. That's how it will be in our life. Enough time goes on that you, you try to just be like this person instead of going to the source. See, if everyone was able to turn and, and look and interpret and kind of talk amongst themselves about what that first person did, you'd probably get it right. You have a lot better chance of getting it right. And that's how we need to be. I think that's, that's really one of the important things that I want to stress as far as what you need to know. What you need to know is be in the image of Christ, not in the image of somebody else. No matter how Christ-like you think they are. In those ways, yes, be like them. But don't just be like them totally. Some other people you might try to be like. You might try to be like in the image of the person that you, um, that you respect for like worldly reasons. Like your boss. I mean, in some ways, that's understandable. Because they got to where they are for a reason. I want to be like them. But if I'm going to be like them, then what is that going to mean I'm going to have to give up? What does that mean I'm going to have to sacrifice as far as on the spiritual side of things? We have to consider that. Maybe we want to be in the image of a really good friend or the image of even a spouse or maybe even the image of a, of a child at times. And all those things can be okay in certain aspects. But it's not good enough, right? God didn't say... I want you, you were predestined and you're not to be conformed to this world. You are to be in the image of fill in the blank. You can't fill in the blank. The blank's filled in. That's filled in saying with his son. So if my answer to the question, whose image am I striving to be in, is anything but Jesus, then I need to really consider that what I look like is not what God wants me to look like. I'm not fulfilling the purpose or the intention of God as he created me. And when I mean created me, I don't mean just I was born in this world. I mean created me as in becoming a new man, as in becoming a new creation as a Christian. I'm not fulfilling that purpose. And it's, there's an easy way for me to tell whose image I'm striving to be in. James would point that out. And we're not going to turn there, but James would point that out pretty clearly. That you look into the perfect law of liberty and then you start there, all right? You don't start by looking in the mirror and just thinking, what do I look like? You start with a perfect law. You start with, you start with Christ. And then you kind of work your way out and you kind of flesh that out to say, I'm not like him in this way. I am like him in this way. But here, the idea of image is actually very unique. It's unique to heavenly things or being in the image of one as opposed to just earthly things. When he says that we are conformed to the image of his son, he doesn't just mean we look like him and that we have flesh. He actually means in a very spiritual way, in a heavenly way, in a higher way, we look like him. So I, I thought this would be maybe a, at least a decent example or um, illustration for us. Because I, I believe that every one of us in here, no matter how well I know you, even if I haven't met you yet, like, I really believe that the fact that we are here does say something about our goals or our mindset. We, we care about spiritual things. We care about God on a base level. And the ones that I know very well, I know that you want to be the Christian that God wants you to be. I know you want to be Christ-like even though you fall short, just like I do. But there's times where when I 
look at myself or when I'm observing and you know, evaluating, I don't think I see myself for how, who I really am. And so the image that I'm trying to be in, I might convince myself I am in that image already. Does that make sense? And the illustration is like this. Have you ever gone to, you look at yourself in some mirror that's kind of a, one of those funky mirrors and it like distorts like your head to where it like looks real big or like, you know, your bottom half like is super small and, or like you, you move in closer and all of a sudden you're really, really tall and it looks like, you know, you got a crazy long legs and all this stuff. And, and I wonder sometimes when I'm evaluating myself if I, if I do that. If when I'm comparing myself to the law of liberty, when I'm comparing myself to the mirror that is Christ, right? Looking into him, that what I want to do is like there's certain things I want to see. So I kind of move a little bit this way, move a little bit that way, move a little closer. And then I'm thinking, all right, I, I'm looking like Christ when I'm really not. Really what I'm doing is I'm just changing my vantage point so that I feel better about how I look. If you're overweight, hey, that, that mirror is awesome. Because if you stand a certain way, you look good, right? If you're really tall and you're self-conscious about that, I mean, hey, you stand a certain way, I feel like I'm normal now, right? But it doesn't change the reality. It doesn't change who you really are and the image that, that you're really representing. Because what you see is a lie. And you're deceiving yourself. Let's go over to Colossians 3. Let's take a look at some of the things that we actually ought to be conformed to as far as being in the image of Christ. Colossians 3, and we're going to begin in uh, verse number 5. Colossians 3, 5. Let's back up to verse 1 because I think this does bring out some of the things I was saying earlier about the new creation that we are. Verse 1, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So that's what we are. That's the state that we're in if we're a Christian, right? But then look at what he says next. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Why? Because it's just not healthy? Because it's just not good for your day-to-day -day life? No. I think the reason is what we talked about a second ago. The image we are to be in is a heavenly image. It is a higher image that we are striving for. It's not something that is just earthly. So we put to death what is truly earthly and, and uh, human and, and just kind of uh, the, the things that are corrupt, you might say. And he lists those out. Sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Not lie to one another, seeing that you have put on the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Jew, there's not Greek or and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. And then he goes on to say, put on then as God's chosen ones. I think it'd be fair to say that put on them those that have been renewed in the knowledge after the image of the Creator. That's what we are. So what do we need to put on? Holy and beloved. 
compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So our character, our activities, we, we treat one another, our mindset, our outlook on life, um, I, I guess even what's in our hearts, like how we feel about people or about uh, those activities and those things. And, and the idea of even being like greedy and coveting something, all, all of that, we must really work to put all that away. Not just so that I feel better about myself, not just so that someone respects me, but I got to put that away if I'm going to be in the image of my creator. And if I don't do that, then what image am I in? I'm, I'm some new image. <laughs> I, I've, I've kind of made up my own, I guess, image and my own uh, likeness that I'm trying to be like. If I'm going to be like God, if I'm going to be like Christ, I have to do all these things and that's not easy. So let's just kind of evaluate this for a second. Am I holy? Am I beloved? <laughs> Am I compassionate? Am I pure? Am I forgiving? Am I merciful? Am I actually thankful and do I have peace? Um, do I have the word of Christ that dwells within me? And then am I actually like sharing that? Am I sharing it with song, which obviously is going to come from like joy? Am I kind of doing that, stirring each other, stirring my brethren up around me? If I can't say that I'm doing that, then really what I need to understand is I'm not being in the image that God wants me to be in. And maybe I'm being a little bit better than I was. Maybe I'm being a little bit better than someone else. Maybe I'm being even uh, exalted by some for the certain things that I am doing. But, but I have to get out of that mindset. Because my mindset needs to be solely on, I want to be like God. So now let's, let's, let's ask another question. In what ways can I be in Christ's image and thereby be in God's image? Maybe it's our character. Maybe in like our work uh, or even trade. You, you know, the, the whole idea of uh, when we we're reading earlier in Matthew 13, where uh, the people that... You know, Jesus grew up around. What did they say about him? Isn't this the carpenter's son, right? Like, we know this guy. Like, we know what he's about. He does the same thing as his father. And that's, that was true. I mean, because that, that is who he was. But did Jesus prove himself to be about that kind of work? Was, he, was his trade that he had taken up only carpentry? No. The work that he was doing was the work of his father that was in heaven. And I think that's the example that we ought to um, follow that. Also, we could be in Christ's image with our purpose and mission. Christ's purpose and his mission was just to do what God wanted him to do, to obey him. Um, I love the passages that talk about where, where Jesus explains to people that, like, 
I only say the things that are from above. I only say the things that are from my Father. It's almost like what He says goes, what He says I say. Where He directs is where I go. And that needs to be what we um, strive to put on. We could be in Christ's image within our relationships, and we can be within we can be in Christ's image amidst trials and in the decisions that we make. And those are probably the areas that are the most difficult for us to be truly in Christ's image, amidst trials, within relationships, and then and then the decisions that just on a day to day, the things that I do and the things that I decide to, to not do. So I think it's pretty clear for me at least that. I feel guilty, and I feel like I'm not that, and I feel a sense of regret because I know that I'm not up to par, because I, I don't feel like I am that image, right? But, and, and maybe that's healthy, but I think that there's a little bit of another take to this, and let's go to 2 Corinthians. I think another take to this is, while that is true, I need to understand that the image I'm striving for is not just the things that I do on this earth. The image I'm striving for is beyond this earth. It's, it's, I'm trying to be in his image for all time. I'm trying to be in his image because I'm hoping to be in his presence one day. And I think that's kind of what we get into in 2 Corinthians 3. If you go down to verse 12. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the old covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So this makes it seem like there is a very special way that we are to be in His image now, but that that's not all that there is. See, it's, it is truly impossible for me to be, tr- to be in the image of Christ in the way that that I could say, like, I am, I am him, right? Like, because I've, I've already failed at that. So there's no way for me to say right now or even tomorrow or no matter when it is that, I, hey, I'm, I'm perfectly in Christ's image. That, that's, that's, an, that's not a possibility for me at this point. I've, I've gone past that, and we all have. And that's something that we read in Romans. It's something we read really throughout the New Testament that, that's just a mentality that we have to accept, but we don't need to just uh, take some sort of confidence from that. The confidence comes from the fact that we can put that away and we can strive to be in his image and therefore be in his image truly one day. That we kind of referenced it this morning, and, and I really appreciate this mentality that like I'm striving to, to be as perfect now as I can so that I'm perfected one day by God, right? That's really the end game. I, I'm, just, I'm just striving so that God will perfect me one day. That's why I'm trying right now to be in Christ's image. So there really is another way, a future image that we will be like. And I think that we get that also from 1 Corinthians 15, which we won't turn over and read. We can't be in God's image now because he is spirit. 
And we have yet to shed this flesh and be solely and only spirit. And I think that's the difficulty. That's why we have these groanings. That's why we have these doubts. That's why, you know, in 1 Corinthians, when Paul starts going through all those things in chapter 15 about like the incorruptible, you know, the corruptible put on incorruption, you know, the, and this immortality will come from the mortal. And it, it's just this difficult thing to wrestle with. And I think it's because it's, it's the unseen. It's the unknown. That's why, and to kind of bring this full circle as far as like being in God's image and therefore being in Christ's image, I, I really do think that's why God has given us Jesus, the, the man who is also the Son of God. He gave us somebody that, although I can't see with my eyes now, people saw him with their own eyes. Um, we have those, the records and the stories. that They're not fictional. They're, they're very real stories about what Jesus did and what he didn't do, about how he acted, about what he was capable of, how he responded in situations, um, how torn up he was at times, and yet how compassionate and loving he was towards people at the same time. Um, how betrayed he was, and yet how forgiving he was. I think we have that so we can actually look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And I can think, and I can really strive to say, I can be like him. I mean, although I'm not perfect, I, I, I can be like him, though. Um, just as a side note, one thing that I, I've struggled with oftentimes is the idea that Christ could even have been tempted but I believe that he was because it's called, it, they, they said he was tempted. <laughs> Not just because the heading says the temptations of Jesus, but because it truly says that in all ways he was tempted as we are. That's hard for me to understand and, and to wrestle with, but that endears me to him even more. Because yeah, he, he rose above it and he, and he didn't give in, but at least I know he went through it and he, and he knows the... the um, I guess the heartache and the difficulty that's there. So as hard as it is for me to think about being God's image, he gave us Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, so that I can say I can be like God and I can be in his image. So just to kind of wrap this up, and we'll get into this in a little bit, I want you to turn to Matthew 14. I don't think this is cheating because we are going to go through Matthew 14 in a while. But I couldn't help but think about this story as I was thinking about this lesson. We'll, we'll read verse 22 through, well, I, I think we know 22 through 27, or at least the setup. Let, let's pick up in verse 28, just the, briefly the setup. Jesus sent the, the apostles, the disciples away. They get in a boat. He goes up. He prays by himself. And then there's kind of a storm uh, that kind of brews. And then so they're in this boat. And it's rocking around and everything. They're scared. Um, and so Jesus comes to them, and he's walking on water. And they get frightened. They say, oh, it's a ghost. And then he says, no, it's, it's me. Don't be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got in the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, 
You are the Son of God. Peter was in the image of Jesus for a brief moment there, right? Think about that. Like, this isn't just a story to prove that he doubted. This is a story to prove that he walked on water with Jesus. And that kind of just gives me chills thinking about that. Uh, probably because I'd like to do that. But also just like being in the boat and seeing that and thinking he's doing the same thing Jesus is doing. How is that possible? Christ allowed it to be possible. And that's something that, that I can have confidence in today. Because for me to think, to think, even think about being like Jesus seems impossible. But by grace and through my faith, which is on me to have that faith, I, I believe that I can be like Christ. I'm not saying I can walk on water. I'm not saying I can heal sick or anything like that. But in every way that Christ allows me to, I can be like him. And I don't need to doubt that. And I don't need to blame myself and get in this depression. I need to understand that when I fall and when I start to sink, that that's my faith and it's because I'm doubting, but that there's a hand that's reaching out to pull me back up. Um, not to say that I'll be able to do everything that Jesus can do or that I read Jesus doing, but I know that every day of my life from here on out, I can be like Christ because of this story. Um, but it's only because he allows it. So when we think about being in God's image and what that means and how, uh, almost how impossible that seems, I think we need to understand that it's very possible, it's very real, and it's what's expected. If I'm going to be with him one day for all eternity, I need to be prayerful and I need to be striving and grateful that I even have the ability in this life to, to look a little bit like him. So I know that maybe we didn't get into all the ins and outs and all the applications, but don't just look at on the surface level, am I like Jesus? Really take a look inside. Take a look at what your motivation is, what your hope is, and what you're striving for and think about that. But also really look at what you do. And that's something that's hard for me sometimes is to come to grips with, I'm not looking like Jesus when I do this or when I don't do that. So maybe this week, instead of just going out there and saying, yeah, let's go and let's you know, teach other people about Jesus, maybe, maybe just for this week, let's start with the thought, and maybe this would be every week, start with the thought of, am I in the image of Jesus? Am I in the image of God? And then can I be in that likeness and represent him to others? I have to start with that first part, though. So it might be that one of you is not in his image right now. It might be that one of you has not been buried with Christ and therefore raised with Christ. If that's the case, then I really do want to stress the importance of, of conforming your life to his and making that decision to, be in, to put on the new self and to be a new creation. But at the same time, I know most of us here have done that. But I don't know what you do on a day-to-day basis. And I don't know what's in your heart. And I don't know what's in your mind. If you need help with that, I, I feel very confident that we all would relate to whatever the issue is. But if it's something that you are struggling with and it's over and over and over again, just understand that we are here to lift each other up when we fall. And I know that we can only do that because we lean on God. And so let's, we can do that together if anyone has some issue or they need prayers or they want to talk about something. Even if it's not now, if it's later on, if it's this afternoon, tomorrow, whenever it is, um, I would encourage us to lean on one another a little bit more so we can strive together to be in God's image.
Uh, we are going to sing a song, and if you need to come forward, if you need to talk about something, feel free to do so at this time.